Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. New York Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Friday, April 8th. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And with the uh, NFL draft closing in less than three weeks away, we have been giving you uh, a lot of, of draft coverage at BigBlueView.com and here on the podcast. This week, I had a chance to talk with Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and also Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. I hope that you uh, have had an opportunity to listen to either or both of those episodes. If not, you can find them on Big Blue View Radio on uh, all of your favorite podcast applications, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to the shows done by Nick Filato and Chris Flum on Big Blue View Radio as they break down various positions, various players, various aspects of the upcoming 2022 NFL Draft. Hope that you'll follow along on those episodes and on all of our coverage at Big Blue View as we get you ready for the 2022 NFL Draft and whatever your uh, New York Giants are going to do when it is their turn at number 5 and number 7 in the first round of the draft. But today, I want to do something a little bit different. Had an opportunity to speak with former New York Giant, former New England Patriot, former Rugby Olympian Nate Ebner earlier this week. Ebner has written a fantastic book titled Finish Strong that details his relationship with his father who was tragically murdered when Nate was only 19 years old. Details Nate's... uh, Nate's path as a rugby star and then uh, as a walk-on on the football team at Ohio State, a path that eventually led him to the NFL. This book de- is a very personal book for Ebner. As I said, deals a lot with his relationship to his father and how he has spent the years since his father's murder trying to uh, to honor his father by... Uh, by living a life, as he would say, living a life that his father would be proud of. So let's, uh, without any any further uh, any further ado, without any any further blabbering from me, let's get right to the interview that I did with Nate Ebner. All right, Giants fans, I am joined now by former Giant and New England Patriot Nate Ebner, and Nate's here to. Uh, talk about uh, his recently published book finish strong nate uh, thank you very very much for uh, for coming on yeah no worries thanks for having me hey so so 
as I, I think I told you off air, I have not yet fully read the book. I've skimmed through the book a little bit. Um, this for you is a really personal, really intense book to, to have written. I would think, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, um, I've been fortunate to have a pretty unique sports story. And I think that's what pulls the people in is, you know, the insight to a very unique sports story. Um, and that, you know, not being a high school football player to walking on to a school like Ohio state, um, you know, getting drafted and, um, playing as long as I've played and, and the Super Bowls and stuff. And, you know, I was a rugby player before that. So, I took a kind of a leave of absence in the middle of my NFL career to go to the Olympics. Um, just that story has been pretty cool. I, like I said, I was fortunate enough to stay healthy and be blessed enough to have the ability to do those things. But uh, the core to that story is the relationship and bond that I had with my father, who, uh, you know, was basically the driving force in everything in my life. And um, it's a very personal story. And um, I think really anyone can relate to whether you're a, a parent yourself or you have some type of father, son, mother, daughter, or vice versa relationship. Um, there's obviously major tragedy in my story that, you know, people can maybe relate to. And ultimately it's, it's for me, a real motivational story in the sense that, um, you know, I've, I talk about how I'd, you know, didn't let the tragedy in my life of losing my father, especially the way that I lost him uh, to kind of derail the rest of my life and uh, making conscious decisions to make the most out of um, my life and, and live, you know, to, to be the type of man and person that my dad raised me to be and um, really honor him. So um, it's a pretty motivational story. But again, I think it's one that everyone can relate to and the the core to the story is is very is a human aspect that I think we all can kind of relate to but the sports story is the vessel for sure and, and a unique one at that right and your purpose for writing this book is not really you know from from what I can gather it's not you know self-serving to tell this wonderful story about Nate Ebner this this feels more like a although it's personal for you and and probably hard to relive sometimes, you know, in certain aspects of it. This this book is motivational for people, I would think. And I think that's probably a, large, a big part of the reason why you went ahead and wrote it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I agree with you. At the end of the day, I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't see myself as like super special or anything. Um, you know, I was just a kind of a blue collar kid that grew up in a junkyard and learned the right values and uh, had a lot of grit about me and uh, was willing to work hard. And, you know, I think uh, that's something we can all relate to. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to be a part of some amazing things and fortunately achieved some cool things, but it, it all came back to the way I was raised and, and the relationship that I had. And um, really, you know, I'm just a true believer. You can achieve anything if, if you're willing to sacrifice everything. And, um, you know, that's kind of what my story was about. And um, like you had mentioned, it's, it's, it's motivational, the sense of being an underdog in a way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so many times along the way, people, you know, kind of 
telling you how they think it should go, even though they have no influence on what you do daily. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, I'll go back to the, to the, the tragedy and that I went through and using that to, you know, take a positive mindset around something so major in my life. Um, you know, that was a, a huge, uh, piece for me, a huge motivational piece, but, you know, it, it was, it was everything for me to turn something so, so big and, and tragic into a positive. And it ultimately, I think a lot of people who go through stuff like that can relate because it, it's the type of thing that makes you want to quit at life and uh, maybe not move forward, kind of feel sorry for yourself. And um, those types of thoughts really, you know, don't take you anywhere. And um, I think uh, my mom was a huge part in that. And if, if you read in the book, you know, that was probably the biggest turning point in my life was not just losing my father, the way that I lost my father, the, the relationship that I had with him, um, but the way my mom stepped up as a woman who, you know, was divorced from him. So she was just me and her. And basically she said what she needed to say and what I needed to, what I needed to hear. Um, as hard as that probably was for her, you know, I, I had friends and other people who had gone through similar experiences and people coddled them. And, you know, tell them everything's going to be all right and tell them what they want to hear. And, you know, my mom had, um, you know, the strength to really tell me what I needed to hear, which was you need to get on with it and you need to live a life your dad would be proud of. And, um, you know, I talk about that being really the biggest part in my story, because, you know, without her, I was starting to go down a bad path. And, you know, I always will wonder, had she not had that conversation with me, if uh, I would have let the, the, the dark side of it all take over me and um you know she uh, if you will she brought me to the light and that was a huge point in my story and again you know we haven't even really talked about the sports it's it's right great right. vessel but it's a human story for sure right and we'll get to that i just just so that people know your father was killed in a in the junkyard in 2008 yeah. by by a thief and i'm actually glad you got into the whole living a life he'd be proud of thing because I was actually going to ask you about I, I skimming through the book I, I love that line I love that uh, I love that that attitude but let, let's actually talk about the sports a little bit yeah you, you played you played peewee football yeah and before walking on you walked on what is a sophomore at ohio state i believe or is it junior well, it was the win it was the winner of my sophomore year so the football season had already taken place so my first season with ohio state was technically my junior year uh, in college and, and the last time you had played football prior to that you were how old uh probably like 12 i would say mm -hmm. somewhere in there just you know, age grade stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, you had obviously people who know your story know that you were a, you know, a star rugby player, tremendous rugby player, um, you know, could have, and eventually did play, you know, at the highest levels you know, of the sport, but how long had that been gnawing at you? This, this, you know, I can play rugby and I'm really good at it. But I, how, but I want to play in the NFL. How long had that kind of been been in the back of your head? Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't think I would say it went down quite like that. I would say I was like a, I was one of the best rugby players in the country at, at a very young age, especially in the age grade stuff. So rugby dominated my life. I mean, from, from probably 13 on I was all rugby all the time and I mean I made the junior national team at 16 so at 16 years old I was going to junior world cups playing against some of the best kids in the world and you know I I remember we played South Africa 20 of their 26 man roster were under professional contract these young kids so I mean I was playing high level rugby I didn't really care about football I was all Mm -hmm. rugby all the time but then when you look at my whole story and and the perfect storm that kind of took place. It was like, well, my senior year, I almost played football because my friends almost talked me into it, but I had a junior world cup. I chose not to. Mm -hmm. And then my high school went on to win the division one state championship in football at Ohio and in Ohio, which is, you know, a big one. And um, so I missed that one. That was bittersweet, but obviously, you know, they didn't need me. And um, (laughs) then I go to Ohio state and, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, still in these junior world cups freshman year. And then, uh, I think my last one was my freshman year of college and then I was too old. So it was like, okay, now you still got three more years, at least of college and you want to play rugby professionally, but I didn't want to go overseas. That was always a big thing. There was no pro league in the United States. And, you know, I didn't want to learn French or whatever Italian and, and have to, live in a different country and all that. And that always rubbed me the wrong way. And, you know, so I'm kind of stuck in this limbo. I'm not, I'm still in college, but I can't go play pro and um, I don't want to go overseas. And, you know, I'm just kind of stuck playing club rugby at Ohio state. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, unfortunately, like I, I just took it so seriously, especially after playing internationally in three junior world cups, like I wanted to win, you know, and it was kind of me versus, everybody else on the other team and then it was you know they put more effort into the the after party than mm-hmm. the game sometimes and I just like that whole environment as much as it's a really cool aspect of rugby in, in America I love it it's such a social thing but as someone who wants to be a high performance athlete that just it wasn't doing it for me so it was you, st- perfect- right. you still wanted the competition you wanted the the win or lose you wanted right the, I mean I just got done playing part of it I just got done playing the you know South Africa is the best one of the best teams in the world and you know here I am playing Ohio State versus Indiana and I can't even you know pass the ball to my teammates it was just it was frustrating let's just mm-hmm. call it that it was frustrating and uh, so you got the high school, you got the can't go pro. I'm still in college. You got me playing club sport. And I just, football was always there. You're at Ohio state, man. It's like, you can't escape football at Ohio state. It's Ohio state. Right. And uh, it, you know, I just had this, everybody's like, Oh, the football players they are so special, blah, blah, blah. And I just, it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to walk onto the football team. And I, and I talked to my dad about it. And this is a major part of my story because, you know, here it is. My dad introduced me to rugby. Uh, he watched me play all over the world. It was something that we genuinely shared as a bond. You know, we did everything together, but rugby was this, this thing that he gave me and I found my own passion for, and we shared it together. It was like a, a beautiful thing. And here I was about to tell him, look, man, I love you and, and rugby's awesome and all that. But like, I think I want to go play football 
and I'm going to try to walk on at Ohio State. And I wanted like his blessing in that, right? And uh, as soon as I told him, he was all in. He was, you know, let's, let's put rugby on the, the back burner, all in on football. Let's see if you can do something special, maybe maybe have some success and maybe go to the NFL. And if it doesn't work out, rugby will always be there for you, you know? And he was just very supportive. Um, but from that conversation on, it was always, you know, let's see if you can make it. And let's, you know, I told him I wanted to go to the NFL. So I kind of kept that to myself. But the, that was the last time I, I saw him. That was the last time we spoke because that night he drove home. You know, he came to Columbus to see me and we had dinner and um, he drove home. And the next day was when he was uh, murdered at the junkyard. And that was really the last conversation we had had. And for me, you know, it became a promise I needed to keep. Um, and you know, the, the, you know, as I allude to in the book, the, once I started to walk on at the, the football team at Ohio state, that brotherhood, and then the, the focus that I put into it, it was almost uh, therapy for me because it was, it would take me out of my own mental space. I had to be so present in trying to be successful at something I didn't know anything about with the football and, and trying to outperform these other athletes that, it required all of me to be there. And that was almost therapeutic in the sense of when I would leave the football facility, all I would do is think about, you know, my dad and I was in a bad head headspace for quite some time. So um, football was huge, not only obviously for what it gave me in my life, but just in that time in my life, I needed something big like that more than ever. And that was could I mean, I, it was, it was, I can't say how important it was for me to have that every day to fight for and work for. And obviously you were, you know, a world-class athlete and you had played a really physical sport, which in, at least in, in physicality, you know, it resembles, you know, American football a little bit, but, but did you really have any idea what you were walking on to or what you were getting yourself into when you, you know, when you walked onto that team? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, I mean, simple answer was no. Um, I just knew what I wanted to do. And um, I will say football is probably a more physical sport. It's just the speed creates serious collisions that and the nature of the game is like 11 people tackling one person where rugby, you can't do that. So it's rugby's like a safer game and it's just a little toned back just a titch, which again, makes the impacts less. That's a different conversation, but essentially, yeah, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what I was walking into, but I didn't care. And uh, I say in my book that I'd say that experience was probably the most humbling experience. I've uh, one of the most humbling experiences I've had in my life uh, to this day, because athletically I was gifted as you kind of mentioned I played with some of the best rugby players in the world I knew I could run and I was strong and all that but I mean football there's an IQ to football there is an absolute IQ like there is to any sport you know and and playing in peewee football where they hand me the ball and I run around everybody is a lot different than you know playing cover two or man-to-man defense or you know all those different things that go into the chess game that is football and wow that was humbling because I, I had to learn. It had nothing to do with my physical ability. Physically, I could do whatever anyone else could do. I had to get the balance and, 
you know, the footwork down and the movements of football, but that came fairly quickly to me, but the understanding of where to be and why you need to be there and, you know, the body control to have because of the certain situations. I mean, it's, there's an absolute IQ I could talk about all day. Um, and with that, that's where I found special teams because I was, as we spoke about in my third year already walking on and I have this time to learn football. I didn't play in high school. I didn't have years to spend on red shirts and stuff, you know? And, um, so I, I gravitated towards special teams. I knew I needed to get on the field. So I was just like, you know, line me up on kickoff and let me just go tackle the guy with the ball for the most part. Like, yeah, I can do that. You know? And, um, that that's why special teams was such a big thing for me. And, uh, I took it very seriously because it's what got me on the bus. It's what got me, uh, on the, on the roster. Uh, I was playing in every game, you know, I played in every single game at Ohio state from the first year I walked on, you know, started out just being on the kickoff team to kick off and kickoff return. And then, you know, by the second year I was in all four phases and then the third year, yeah, I probably should have started on defense, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but um, then I was like really good at the special team stuff. And uh, essentially that that's what got me to, to play in the NFL. You know, I think when I walked into this journey, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it as, you know, you're going to be a special teams player and that's how you're going to get into the NFL and you're going to get drafted specifically for that. I mean, I never would have thought that. I thought, you know, I'll just outplay the best safety or whatever. Um, but, you know, life, the, the goal was to get to the league. And I realized quickly within that that I needed to get on the field and that was special teams. And I had to, you know, midline adjust in the middle of it. And uh, that's the, the course that it took. And uh, I'm thankful for that because uh, without that, I don't know that I would have had the time to really be where I needed to be in a, in a position defensively or even offensively, but I was a defensive player, um, you know, to get drafted or, or to make it on an NFL squad my my first year. You know, the, the special teams allowed me to make it on an NFL roster. And then my rookie season with the New England Patriots, where I really learned football, then I could implement my defensive structure and my, my ability to play safety in different positions. And that's what made me have a long career is because I was always someone that could go in at any time and play multiple positions. Cause I knew everything, but the special teams is what, what got me to the league and what, you know, technically I was getting paid for on Sundays. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just tell me, you know, it, you wanted the NFL. You wanted that as a dream. That was the goal when you walked on at Ohio State. And yet, you know, like you said, you're you're primarily a special teams player and and those guys don't get drafted generally those guys don't get drafted you get drafted in the sixth round by the patriots just you know if you think back on it what is that like for you what is that moment like for you that that hey you know this is reality this is what i wanted and and now it's going to happen yeah, I mean, uh, I talk about that a lot in the book, Draft Day. Um, you know, I never thought I was going to get drafted. I uh, This whole journey was just like, give me the opportunity to just get on a roster, to, to, to be on a practice squad, to just get my foot in the door and earn it. Um, not that I didn't, you know, in New England, you got to earn it. Bill will cut draft picks left and right like it's his job. So he doesn't really care. So you, you always got to earn it there. But, um, you know, essentially I was – just sitting at home on the second day, some family was around, you know, I had some phone calls earlier in that week. I had a really good pro day, um, which I talk about in the book as well. And, and I, after having the, the pro day that I had, I thought, okay, relative to like, if had I been in the combine, I would have had like the best numbers in every single thing, except for maybe my 40 would have been third best. Um, but every other measurable would have been the best in the combine that year I knew I was like I, somebody's got to give me a chance I'm I, I'm I I don't have experience but like just there's an upside to the potential right um and then I started to get phone calls and then the draft day came and then like my phone really started to ring and I'm like I, you know I think I might get drafted you know I it wasn't something I was planning for um and you know I was on the phone with I think it was the Arizona Cardinals at the time or, or St. Louis Rams. I don't know. I don't know. And my agent calls me and is like, Hey, get off the phone. The Patriots are trying to call you They're, You know, they got a draft pick coming up and um, sure enough, Bill's on the phone, Mr. Kraft's on the phone. And uh, the next day I'm on a plane to new new England. They, they picked me in the sixth round and uh, you know, it was a, what a cool experience, but it was very much so like, you know, I already had the fire, but it, it ignited it even more to be like, all right, let's go. Like, this is real. Like you, you've, you've, you haven't made it, but you, you know, it's, it's in the vision. We can see it now. So let's, let's give everything we have. So this works. And you talked about football IQ and, and really needing to learn the game and, and those kinds of things. When you think back on it, could you have landed in a better place than new England to learn what you needed to learn. And, and, and could you have had that kind of career, you know, if you, if you had, you know, maybe landed um, somewhere else? Yeah. Good question. I mean, I, one, I'll never be able to answer that and really know the truth. Right. I mean, 
how could we really know? Because um, there are some really good coordinators throughout the NFL that would have been beneficial for me, especially from a special team standpoint. Um, and I like to believe, regardless of me, of me being in New England, now they gave me the freedom to be as creative of, of a player as I, I grew into over the eight years I was with them. But um, I like to believe that early on in my career, I, it didn't matter what jersey I was in. I was so hungry to have success that I would have made plays being on the worst team in the NFL. Um, I genuinely believe that the way that I, you know, played as a young player. Um, but the way I was developed as a defensive player in New England and the onus that was put on me to know and the, the help that I got from Matt Patricia's who knew they were never going to use me on defense or that wasn't the plan anyways to begin with. And the help that I got from these, the, the coaching staff because Bill demanded it. Um, I had so much growth, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, that was the most understand. That was the year I understood. I became to understand football because of the, the environment that I was in. And I have no doubt that new England in that time frame with those coaches and bill and the way we were operating back then. Um, that's, that's why I, I did have a lot of the success that I had, especially like I, I keep referring to the defensive side of things. Mm-hmm. And, but and Scott I, O'Brien also was a, the this coordinator in New England, who was a like kind of like a father figure of the special teams in, in the in the league. And uh, you know, I had him for four years or whatever it was, three or four years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I was put in a really good position to succeed. I, I don't know that there could have been a better place, you know, that to right. come back to your first thing. But right. um, I, I I wouldn't change it, obviously. Right. And you got to play next to Michael Slater for how many Matthew years? Slater. Matthew, Matthew Slater. Matthew. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, all good. Um, um, eight years. What's, I mean, what's what's that like? I mean, one of the you know maybe a, between the two of you, maybe a, the the best special teams tandem of guys that I can remember. Yeah, uh, I mean that was awesome. I mean uh, Batman and Robin, if you will. He mm-hmm. was, he was Batman. Um, but, uh, you know, Matt, Matt and I were great. You know, if you, you talk to Matt, um, we, we pushed each other so much. I mean, and, and I came in as such a hungry young player that, you know, here you got this pro bowl special teams player that's kind of taken over. And then I come in and I start, you know, my first year I had like 17, some tackles, on special teams and they were mainly kickoff because Matt was getting them all on punt and uh, you know, we were getting pretty competitive. And I think I earned his respect right away that first year, but um, we, we definitely uh, competed to, to make the most plays. Um, but through our careers together, not only did we, you know, iron sharpen iron and we made each other better, but uh, as leaders on the team, you know, Matt's always that been a spiritual leader. He's a, a man who walks in faith. He's one of the best human beings. He, he's arguably top three best human beings of, you know, just character standpoint of anyone I've ever met in my life. And I'll forever be grateful to have worked alongside him as long as I have. Um, you know, when you talk about a player that's as successful as he is on the field and the, I just want to talk about how good of a person he is. That speaks to how good of a person he really is. Um, but anyways, he was, like I said, the spiritual kind of leader and uh, the flag carrier, if you will, the speech giver, the 
that. And I was always kind of, I think I would say I was like the technician or I was like the, the mean guy, I guess, <laughs> because, you know, Matt, Matt was the, you know, fast guy. He's the gunner. He just let it rip, but I had to make sure I was in the mix of it more in terms of like calling the plays on punt and making sure everyone was doing the right things. And I was kind of more of the orchestrator of the whole machine. And, you know, it was, we would work well in that sense that Matt was that captain, you know, speech, you know, inspiring figure. And then when it came to like the technical stuff, like typically it would just, you know, I, that's where I would typically run the show in a sense. It was like, who's blocking who and what, what schemes are we running in this situation? And and then what, what is my responsibility in this scheme and why should I approach it with this type of angle? Because of what we're actually big picture wise trying to accomplish. Like that's kind of how I, I would, I would handle things. But ultimately I think we made each other better players. Uh, we were able to take over the, the room we had together because we both took it very seriously. And when, we get got young guys in to follow us. They really wanted to follow us because of uh, the seriousness seriousness of which we took our craft, and um, you know, obviously the success we had on top of that. So, you know, I I could speak all day about how amazing it was to be with Matt for as long as I was. Um, you know, you even in the NFL, you're lucky to play with a guy for one, two three years, you're lucky to be in the NFL for four years to have played with Matt Slater for, for eight years together. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky. I mean, I hope he feels the same way. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he does. You know, Nate, my, my website, big blue view is primarily dedicated to the New York giants. Absolutely. And that, and that leads me after a, a our, our sort of, long-winded discussion so far that leads me to joe judge Mm -hmm. what did joe judge mean to your career what does joe judge mean to you i know that you mean a lot to him just i can tell that from from conversations with him over the two years he was giants head coach just what does he mean to you uh i'm very close with joe um you know, we kind of came in together, you know, I was a rookie and he was a, an assistant first year assistant in the NFL, my rookie year. And, um, you know, we kind of grew together, you know, every season in my NFL career, he was there for every rep of every single thing that I ever did. And I can't say that for anyone else. Um, and that's unique. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we, not only was he there for everything, but he, we, we grew together. He allowed me to be me and we, we challenged each other. Um, you know, we had a lot of long conversations where we would, you know, really dive into the nitty gritty of what we're trying to do from a schematical standpoint. And those conversations, you know, made us both better. He was getting a perspective of someone on the field and I was getting a coach's perspective and we were able to kind of mesh that um for quite some quite a few years and have a lot of success that way and um you know not only was he was he a great coach um but you know he always Joe had a good heart you know there's a lot of fraudulent people that find their way in the NFL or find themselves in in a position of power or coaching or whatever and they're just 
they're just phony. You know, that's like that in everything in life. Right. And Joe is not that, you know, he, you know, I don't know how people feel about this. You know, he's got to give his speeches to the media, but at the end of the day, dude was, dude walked what he said he would do. And, um, you know, he was, uh, he was special in that regard and, uh, he was honest with me and, um, you know, he just, uh, for, for me, I, I would also like to add that, you know, I, I had moments in my career where I was injured and I had to kind of say like, Joe, just trust me. Like I'll be there. I'll be there on Sunday type of deal. And the trust that he gained in me through, through all those years. And, um, you know, the conversations, like I said, we have with scheme and how we should attack stuff. And, you know, it was funny because all the years in new England, you know, Matt, Matt is such a nice guy that I would like Joe would, you know, Joe and then Cam, the, you know, the other assistants at the time, we, they would say something about a scheme and me and Matt would kind of look at each other. Like we're gonna absolutely can't do that. And Matt, <laughs> Matt's such a good guy. He'd be like, well, you know, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, I could, yeah, I could see why you, and then I always had to be the bad guy and I'd always have to go <laughs> like, you can't do this, you know? And we'd, we'd have those conversations all the time and uh, just so much growth. Um, like I said, a lot of success, some bad moments too. And um, a lot of trust built there. And like I've mentioned, you know, there for every rep of everything I ever did in the league. And um, he knew my story as well as anyone. And he's just, uh, he, he's a special, he's, he's, I can't say that about anyone else in my career. So he, he'll always be uh, special to me in, in that regard. Was it was it different coming to New York and playing for him as uh, as a head coach? I mean, absolutely. The whole thing was different. You know, um, I you know, I don't I think he I think he had his hands tied and it was kind of a little bit out of his control. You know, I can say that honestly, that's just my that's my feelings on it. Um, I don't think, I don't know if anyone cares what I think, but that's just my opinion. Cause I, I was, I was around for 10 years. I saw some successful teams like, you know, and I, and I saw what kind of happened there and I just, I don't know how much of a fair shot he really got to have the success that I think he could have. So, but you know, it is, that's the, that's the NFL. Unfortunately, if you don't have success now, the people don't want to wait. Um, you know, and of course it was different. He wasn't, he wasn't, sitting there coordinating just the special teams units or working with the wide receivers. He was trying to orchestrate this whole thing and bring this team together. And, um, you know, you're bringing, you're bringing a team together where you've got new coaches and a new staff of people you don't know and trying to get people to operate a way that you've operated for the last eight years in, in New England or in a place that, you know, you've had success. So that's how you want to, you know, do it, but you're trying to bring people along that necessarily, you know, they, they don't see it that way. And, and, and you got to build trust in your, in your process and, and bring these people with you. It takes some time, you know? Um, yeah. I just think he, uh, he had it, he had a, uh, it was, it was just tough for him from the get go. And I just think he had his hands tied a little bit and it's unfortunate because I think Joe's a great coach and he's a, he's a great motivator and he, and he definitely brings people together and he's a hard worker. And um, like I said, he's, he, you know, he'll have, he'll have success um, given, given the right opportunity. I appreciate your, uh, 
your, your thoughtfulness in that answer. I really do. Um, next thing that I've got for you is what's next for you? The, you know, the NFL, your, your, your playing days are done at this point. What's next for you? Um, you know, where do you think this journey is going to take you now? Um, yeah, man, I, I'd say, uh, my body just has had enough. Um, you know, I went to go try to do the Olympics again. Uh, you know, I played every game, uh, my 2020 season and I, I just, I had developed some tendonitis or what I thought was tendonitis in my quad tendons, but, uh, turned out I ended up, you know, having them torn and, and I, it just the cartilage in my knees had gotten so bad that I was trying to get, you know, put it in other places, got to the season, played about half the season this year. And it just so bad that it's just like, you know, grind and steal on steel. It just, you know, it is what it is. So um, getting that fixed, that's part one is, you know, I've, I've put 10 hard years of NFL and, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you know, I've been playing at a high level really since I was 16. So 17 years of, 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 of high level st starting and stopping and exploding, you know, I, I gotta get my knees, my knees. Right. And um, so I'm in that process right now, currently uh, nine weeks out of a fairly new surgery for, for cartilage repair. And um, you know, once that heals up, I'll have to get the other one done. But um, you know, I, I think I'm going to be much better after that. Uh, it's made me already realize how much I've been dealing with. And uh, I'm looking forward to those days of, you know, being able to walk around the golf course and swing a golf club without my knees hurt, lining up my putts without, you know, having to lay on my stomach. Oh. But um, no, I mean, right now it's get that right. It's get get back healthy. So my quality of life is good. Um, obviously, I'm deeply rooted in the rugby world. You know, to, to, to what extent my physical health comes back and, you know, what what I'll be able to do from a competition standpoint. You know, will will I be able to just go for a mile jog or will I be able to maybe go back to the Olympics and try to play rugby again or, you know, maybe maybe play uh, at an international level? I, I can't answer any of those things. Um, so, you know, right now my focus is to get physically healthy and see what happens. But until then, um, you know, that's really the focus. And, um, you know, I've got some side some 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 things in the works as well some interest in in this book becoming a film as well some there's some talk about it so we got some things going on and obviously I've actually been asked to coach quite a bit I don't know that I'm ready to I don't know ready that I'm ready to to go right back into that grind right so right so, away. so so if 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 they make a film if they make a film who does Nate Ebner want to play Nate Ebner I don't care <laughs> I don't care who the actor is. I just, I want to make sure uh, it does my dad's story justice. It does, you know, him justice that the whole book is about him. I want, I want someone to read my book or watch that movie and, and say, you know, whatever happens to me in my life does not define me. It's the way that I respond and I have control in that. And, you know, I can do anything I want if I, if I'm willing to, to put everything into it. And, um, you know, I want I want parents to watch that and realize, you know, the time we spend with our children is invaluable. Um, buying them gifts and, and sending them, you know, having babysitters, that stuff. You know, the reason I am the way I am is because the time my dad put in with me 
and the relationship we had. And, um, you know, every kid needs a father and a, and a mother and a parent. Um, and it's important that we spend time with our children. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think there's something for everyone if, if, if that does become a, a film, but ultimately that's what I want people to feel when they, when they read the book as well. I was actually going to ask you, you know, as a final question, what your overriding message was. And I think you just gave it. So I don't have to ask um, yeah. before before I let you go. Uh, just uh, let people know, you know, where they can find out more about you, where they can find the book, where they can find you on social media or any any of that stuff. Yeah, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Nate Abner, Ebs 43. But uh, same with Twitter. I'm not super active on the social media platforms but um yeah i mean you could get my book anywhere um i mean it was penguin um random house so it's you know barnes and nobles amazon uh just type in nate ebner finish strong and it's um you know a father's uh, um what well, now i don't even remember but just nate ebner finish strong and you're and you're good it'll pop up everywhere you everywhere you look and um it'll, it should be a quick read it, and and I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to message me on uh, any social media platform and tell me what you think. People do it all the time. And, and I love to have those conversations and hear, you know, what they liked or didn't and how it impacted them. And, um, you know, a lot of time went into that and a lot of honesty uh, was exposed in, in, in writing that. So, I, you know, I'm definitely down to hear what people think. Nate, I will do that when I when I finish the book here, and I, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you very, very much, and and, and best of luck with uh, getting the knees healthy and and whatever else you you decide to do next. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you All very right. much. Take Thanks for having care, me. Giants fans. That's our show for today. Thanks to Nate Ebner for the time. Thanks to all of you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Please remember to uh, follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel. Join the community at BigBlueView.com if you haven't done that already so that you can comment and discuss Giants-related topics with other Giants fans. Please remember, as I always say, to uh, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.